Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. series on Luke 15 as God is challenging and we purposefully called it the heart of Luke 15 not the principle of Luke 15 because it can quickly become well the church the principle is you leave the 91 you go after 99 you go after the one no that's not a principle that's the heart of who God is and as we've engaged this amazing three stories remember why he tells these three parables he's telling these parables because he engaged a group of Pharisees Jesus was having a great time with a group of tax collectors and notorious sinners. Actually, the Bible says they're having a great time. They're loving Jesus' presence. But the guys who are struggling are the Pharisees. They are the law keepers. They are the guys watching and saying, how can this be? And Jesus says, actually, for your sake, you who are struggling with my reaching out and my accessibility to those who haven't crossed line of faith or my accessibility to those who haven't cleaned up their act yet, maybe you're struggling with that. I want to tell you three stories that will take you on the journey. Why? Because Luke 9 tells us, happens at the same time, says actually Jesus has set his face on Jerusalem. He was on the way to the cross. He knew what was coming, and he knew that there was an urgency to the people getting this. He's saying, guys, I want you to get the heart of who God is. And as we've engaged the first story about the sheepy, the second story about the shekel, and the third story about the son, we, get, we see some of these amazing things about who God is. First of all, he goes after the worst. The worst sheep, the one that's wandered off, now all smelly with things in its hair and fallen in a river on its back, the shepherd have to go after that one. Then the shekel that got away in the dark, and the, the woman is searching for her shekel in the dark. She finds it. She calls all her friends, say, come and celebrate with me. I found the shekel. But the pinnacle of this story, the wayward son. And there's a father, he's looking at the horizons and he's, he's searching not for what more ground can I take and how's the farm doing and what's the yield of that field. No, he's saying, actually, I'm searching for my son who is wayward and my heart is open wide for him to return. And when he returns, the father is there. Why? Because we worship a God who goes after the worst. Second of all, we see God is persistent. The sheep that got away. It says he didn't stop till he found that sheep. The shekel that got found. She didn't stop until she found it. The father, he didn't stop looking and keeping his heart open until that son returned. That's who God is. And then he says, doesn't just leave it there. He says, it's the shepherd who carries. And it's the father who covers. When the son returns, he covers his son. So no discipline or, or shame can come upon him. That father covers him, not just with his jacket, but with his presence, his love, and his very being. And then lastly, we see of God, he loved celebrations. You know God loves a good party. And nothing. He says, actually, we found one sheep. Call all the neighbors, all the friends. Come and celebrate. My sheep is home. It's like 1% has come back. Not just the sheep. It's not like Sean the sheep. He was his mate. It's not what we're dealing with here. You guys are very serious this morning. <laughs> very serious. Anyone watch Sean the sheep? That's not that sheep. It's a different sheep. But, uh, but he found a sheep. And he says, come. And then she finds her one shekel. He says, come and celebrate. All the neighbors, come and celebrate. And then the pinnacle of the story, again, is not a sheep, a financial ability. It's not, it's not even the business. No, no, pray for your business and trust God for breakthrough, but that's not the pinnacle. And the pinnacle is in lost finances. Oh, I go to God when I don't have money. No, we find it easy to run to God when we don't have money. The pinnacle is lost sons and daughters coming home. 
And he says, actually, I want you to get this. But I, you see, what we don't struggle with about God is God is after lost things. We don't struggle with that. Because if you're anything like me, I hate losing things. Exhibit A, the TV remote. Does anyone else have an escaping TV remote? It's like it just, it finds legs and it's gone. It was there, it's not there. And try putting three kids in that mix. There is like a war for the TV remote. When I find that remote, I do not let it go. I celebrate, I shout, the neighbors know, I found it, it's all part of it. I don't like losing things. And God says, actually, I want to take you on a journey because I've got you to, I've got to, I want to drive this truth home. So I'm going to drive it home with a point about a, a sheep, a financial reality, a hundred sheep that that shepherd's financial reality finds one, celebrates. Then this lady, 10 shekels, finds one, celebrates. But the biggest point I need you to get, the biggest thing I want to drive home is there is a celebration when sons and daughters come home. And the Bible says, no, they weren't just, the worst thing about them wasn't that he was smelly and in the pig's mess and eating the pig's food. That's not the worst thing. The worst thing that he was distant from the father and dead. He says, no, my son's not just returned. No, he's alive again. Alive again. And God's, there's this challenge, and I said it last week, and as I processed this week, I thought, yes, two things I thought. Number one, that's a really good point. You're allowed to think that about your own preaching sometimes. <laughs> Secondly, it's like, wow, that really, really challenges me. <laughs> it's terrible when you preach something, you're going, I'm sure really struggling with that one. Because I said, sometimes you've got to be prepared to lose the things you love to find the things he loves. And the only thing that would move me on that story of being prepared to lose some of the things I love and finding the things he loves is how much I know that I'm loved by him and how much I love him. See, when you fall in love with God, you fall in love with who he loves and what he loves. You don't stay unchanged. I'm just adding someone else to my life. No, when I, when I fell in love with my wife, like I told you, I'd never eaten a salad in my life. Now I'm a salad eater. Put green things on my plate, I'll eat them. 20 years ago, not so much. My mother would threaten, she would leave me there for hours, I would just sit. Now I eat salads. Why? Because my wife loves salads. It's good for her health, and so we do it. So when I fall in love with God, and I realize I am loved by God, I begin to love what He loves. And he starts to change me and says, actually, are you prepared to lose some things you love to take a hold of the things he loves? This is a challenging, challenging story. And, and there's the story. We see the prodigal. He's taken his inheritance. He's run. Famine hits the land. He's got no food. So he starts eating the pig's food where he's working. He says, he, it says he comes to himself. It's an amazing line. He, he comes to himself. He, he catches awareness of what's going on. He says, actually, I'm a son. The servants on my father's farm eat better food than I'm eating now. Even in the midst of famine, let me go back and just become a servant on his farm. So he goes on this journey, this long walk, the first thing. What is repentance? He turned. He was going this way to chaos, and he just turned. That's repentance. It's simple. And then began a journey back to the Father. And on his journey, he plans this whole speech. Hey, Dad. And you can just imagine, he's walking, he's getting close to the farm. He can see the trees. He recognizes the neighbor's houses. How they are back. Stinking a little bit. Starts practicing the speech he's going to give his dad. He says, oh, I shouldn't have done that. And I apologize. If you just let me come back as a servant. And as he starts to deliver that speech to his dad, his dad just says, stop. You are my son. Bring the robe. Bring the ring. Bring the shoes. Bring it all. Get the fattest cow. Put it on the barbie. Let's have a party. Why? Well, we've got to wrestle that to the ground. I want to read from Luke 15 as we continue from that 
where we're at as we finish Luke chapter 15 this morning from verse 22. Maybe you've got your Bibles with you. If you don't, we'll put it on the screens. Luke chapter 15. Turning to his servants, the father said, Quick, bring me the best robe, my very own robe, and I will place it on his shoulders. Bring the ring, the seal of sonship, and I will put it on his finger and bring out the best shoes you can find for my son. Let's prepare a great feast and celebrate. For this beloved son of mine was once dead, but now he's alive again. Once he was lost, but now he is found, and everyone celebrated with overflowing joy. Or maybe not everyone. Now the older brother, who was out working in the field when his brother returned, and as he approached the house, he heard the music of celebration and dancing. So he called over one of the servants and asked, what's going on? The servant replied, it's your younger brother. He's returned home, and your father is throwing a party to celebrate his homecoming. The older son became angry and refused to go in and celebrate. So his father came out and pleaded with him, come and enjoy the feast with us. The son said, Father, listen, how many years have I been working like a slave for you, performing every duty you've asked as a faithful son? And I've never once disobeyed you, but you've never thrown a party for me because of my faithfulness. Never once have you given me a goat. I mean, a goat, anyway, that I could feast on and celebrate with my friends like he's doing now. But look at your, the son of yours. He's back after wasting your wealth on prostitutes and reckless living. And here you are throwing a great feast to celebrate for him. The father said, my son, you are always with me by my side. Everything I have is yours to enjoy. It's only right to celebrate like this and be overjoyed because this brother of yours was once dead and gone. But now he is alive and back with us. He was lost, but now he is found. I pray, Spirit of God. On this day, on Pentecost Sunday, as we remember the disciples were baptized in your spirit. Spirit of God, we know that you come and you empower, you do so many amazing things, but you reveal the Father and you reveal the Son. You take words off a page and reveal and change hearts and minds. And I pray, do it this morning, God. Come, Spirit of God, reveal the Father to us, reveal the Son to us, and move us, I pray. Amen. There's a couple of one-liners that catch me in this story. One of them is this. The older son, he gets back. He's working out in the field. He's, he's plowing. He's working his field. Like, this is what pleases dad. I'm just, this is what. And then he's sweating. He says, actually, I've got to come back. And he walks past his favorite field. And in that favorite field is his favorite cow. And that favorite cow is not there. That favorite cow has gone. He's been eyeing that cow out for his birthday party for years. Getting it fat. Sneaking it extra food just along the way. He says, something's up. Where is Nelly the cow? Gone. Sorry, Yoke's are very serious this morning. He's walking. He sees all the workers out. And then he starts to hear the doom, doom, doom of the base as the party is happening. And he's going, what's going on here? I didn't know anything. I've been working. And he says, what's going on here? And, and then it says, this older son becomes angry and refuses to go in. Why? I mean, let's be honest. We can all sympathize with the older son this morning. Let's just do a little self-assessment. Who wouldn't struggle? I would. I've been working hard. This light, he's been out there joiling, spending all my dad's money. I've been working hard. I've been sweating. I've been making sure this field is fruitful. And now the doom, 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 and the cow, and the whole thing. No, I'm not going in there. I cannot celebrate. Why? Because it's not about him. In that moment of 
celebration, in that moment of life, it's not about him anymore. See, he's been the flavor of the month. He's been working hard. He thinks he's been doing all the right things. Son of the month, every month, while the other son's been gone. It's like, son of the month, his picture. Every month on the board, son of the month. Think, look at me. And all of a sudden, it's like, where's that picture gone? He can't just come back. Why? Because it's not about him anymore. He says, then the son, he says, listen, father, father, listen, exclamation mark. How many years have I been working like a slave for you, performing every duty that you've asked of me as a faithful son? Let's just understand the context. This is not Reggie's rush, kids gone wild, just tune your father days. You don't speak to your father in this culture like that. Listen, father, you don't say that. There is an anger that has risen up inside of him. There is a resentment. There is a passion inside of him because he's missing the point and he's really, really struggling with what's going on here. He says, Father, I've been working and actually I've been faithful. What's going on here? And the son has lost perspective, rude with the father. And the father says this incredible truth to him. He says, everything I have is yours. See, the son's taken his eyes off the fact that He's had the Father the whole time. Yes, he's worked the land. Yes, he's been there. But he's always been in the presence of that Father. He's never left the presence. The Father's never not been there. He says, everything I have is yours. Everything. It's a big truth we've got to remember. We have access to everything as sons and daughters of the living God. And central to what we believe is, and, and got to challenge us as believers, maybe been working hard, maybe going to church forever, maybe doing all the right things. No, that's how the Pharisees felt too. That's why Jesus is telling these stories because he's saying, guys, I want you to go on the journey. The journey, time is short. Eternity is coming. The day of judgment is coming. I need you to get it. I need you to understand who I am. Who were the Pharisees? They were these good people who thought because of their goodness and their ability to follow a whole bunch of laws separated them from the people who weren't good. And that actually part of our separation is we actually don't like hanging around them. So we shake them out of the synagogue and you can't come in the synagogue. You notorious sinners and you tax collectors, get out. So we're so good, we don't hang around those guys. But then how does the father answer? He, he reveals his heart. He basically takes his heart out, beating, he says, here it is. He says, it's only right to celebrate like this and be overjoyed. It's right, it's not wrong, son. Because this brother of yours was once dead and gone, but now he is alive and back with us again. He was lost, but now he is found. Not, not, not a sheepy from the field, not a shekel. My son. My son. Jesus brings out the pinnacle of the whole of chapter 15 is the very last sentence from the father. And he reveals, this is my passion. This is who I am. This is who the Father is. This is why he sent me. This is why I only do his will. Because the Father is passionate about lost sons and daughters coming home. Not just wayward sons. Oh, it's not, we're not talking about little kids who stumble and fall. We're talking about sons that are gone, distant from the Father. You know what passion looks like? I have a picture of what passion looks like to me. Maybe you can pop it up. This is my boy. He, um... This was his very first rugby match, under seven at Van Riebeck Strand. I wasn't there, I was overseas, but I saw this photo and I can tell you my heart just went poof. So, but you know what you find out behind the scenes? He didn't touch the ball in that game. <laughs> Not even once. 
he pushed the mall the wrong way. But this photo was taken when one of his teammates scored a try. And there was a father on the side of the field who saw this photo and snapped the shot. And I'm so grateful for that. Because could we be people who, when we don't touch the ball and we don't score tries, but we know what pleases the Father, there is every muscle and every vein and every tendon in our body comes alive. Why? Because my passions are His passions, and His passions are my passions, and His will becomes my will, not some wrestle every day, but because I love Him. I love Him. I'm not meant to just know God. I'm meant to enjoy Him. I mean, to live in the pleasure of knowing Him and walk in the favor and the pleasure of knowing Him. Christianity is not meant to stop at a whole bunch of information that tells us who God is. Well, He's persistent, so I'm going to be persistent. No, you'll probably be a pain in the butt if you're persistent without God. But when you know Him and you are persistent and you reveal His passion, there is a world saying, I want to know who your Father is. We've got to be reminded. Jesus is telling the story and he's cracking open our hearts. I've just got to be honest. I so easily become the older brother sometimes. Anyone else relate? It's like, I'm like, gosh, that oak seems like life is really good for him. I've been worshiping you a long time, Jesus. <laughs> oh, I've been giving energy, time, money, all sorts of things. And he looks like he's having fun. Just saying. Is that too honest? We've got to allow the word to get down inside of us. And I want to tell you that at the center of Luke 15 is not just the celebration of a wayward son coming to life. That's huge. It's everything. But there is also the celebration of the older brother just coming close. Do you get it? Jesus saying, Pharisees, don't stand on the outside knowing lots of things about God, all the laws that might make him happy. You have access to so much more. Come close, because then what you know, you'll start to celebrate the life coming in your brothers. Why? Because the passion that flows in his veins flows in mine. And he changes us, and the gospel gets inside of us. I've had the privilege of, of leading many people over the years and praying with many people, but there's some very special moments. One of them, I was sitting with a mate who we'd been mates with grade, since grade one, six years old. And at 19 years old, we'd gone out, we'd, ha we'd been out with mates, we'd played rugby together. It was one o'clock in the morning in, the, in my digs, and I'm talking to my mate, and his world's falling apart, and everything inside of me starting to wrestle. Because I know that I know that, that I actually like this guy liking me. I'm just being brutally honest, is that okay? Who doesn't like people liking them? I, I like people liking me. I grew up, I was about this big in standard six, so I learned ways to get attention. Once, I stuck my head in a bucket of whitewash for five rand. Not even joking. It's the silliest thing I've ever done. My head burned for like a week. But um, just to get people's attention. Why? Because we like people like us. When you realize you come to Jesus, actually, there's aspects of being a disciple of Jesus that's not so popular with everyone. There's aspects of being a disciple of Jesus. You realize you've actually got to give up wanting to be liked by everyone. And so I'm sitting with my mate, he's six foot six, he ended up playing lock for the All Blacks. He's an incredible man. And there's this moment, do I, don't I? I've got to get over a whole bunch of stuff. I just said, I've got to tell you about Jesus. He says, I've heard the Jesus thing. I start sharing the gospel with him. At about two o'clock that morning, I'm standing in, in the lounge of my house with a six foot six man with my hands on his shoulders, praying for him, one of my best friends, as we both stand there weeping. 
rugby boys with too much creatine in our veins, praying for him. Why? Because he was dead. And he was making a decision to come to life in Christ. Everything changes. Everything. The possibilities of his life change. Everything changes. I'm so grateful for those moments, and I've had many others, but that one is special for me because there were hurdles to cross. There was time. It's easier to pray with someone. Hey, do you know Jesus at a petrol saying, cheers, I'm done. No, but when you walk with people, and a lot is on the line. Then what's got it, what is the passion of God? Because when I'm passionate, it doesn't matter if I score the try or if the attention's on me. What matters is what is his passion. This is a challenge to us, and I want to challenge us a little bit more because I want to answer the questions, well, why? And, and this is honestly, we, please, we're experiencing. I met an amazing couple this morning who said, I've watched your church grow. This is not a church growth strategy. This is a heart growth strategy. Because God wants to deal with our hearts. He doesn't want us to stay the same. I've got to go on a journey of being like Jesus. And I would present to you, this is very personal. I was a marketing guy, so there were five Ps in marketing. I'm going to give you five Ps. Is that all right? So I find it's easy to remember. Number one, prejudice. Every person in this room has prejudice. I'm just telling you. Every single one of us. And the only way we'll deal with it is on our knees under the authority of Jesus Christ, realizing that none of it is justified. And everything Jesus came to do was break down prejudice. Everything. He brought the ministry of reconciliation to where those who could not could now become friends. And he says, he sends Jews to reach non-Jews. He comes, he sits with the notorious sinners and he breaks down every wall. Why? Because he says prejudice has no place in the heart of the believer. I have to present it straight to you. I have to tell you why. Because it's the passion of God. And if you're wanting to enjoy the presence of God, you've got to submit to his passions, not to yours. Oh, but I grew up in a racist household. I don't care. You have been adopted into a household of love. You have been adopted into a household of grace. You have been adopted into a household that doesn't celebrate prejudice. So your heart has to choose one or the other. You don't get to hold both. I'm just telling you. Is that too passionate? You guys are right? Everyone's still here? Lovely to see you. What about preference? It's probably more subtle. I'm not really like passionately opposed to someone with tattoos just my preference not to hang around them obviously it's like subtle it's like nicer it's just as damaging and both of these what does prejudice do it just makes the circle smaller and then preference comes in and what happens the circle gets smaller what about some other ones principle well on principle i I just i just i can't actually be mates Uh, and i'll just give you one of mine i grew up as a young guy actually to hold your period down you just don't be mates with girls Oh, that was what I was told by someone who disabled me. So it's a principle. I'm not sorry, Sammy, we can't be mates. Just being honest. And there are other principles we live. I, I will not go into the home of a person who does this. I will not be in the presence of a person who swears. So the first time I swear, I'm out of here, buddy. Let's be honest, guys. We've all got some of these things. I'm just telling you what mine are. What about pain? We've all been hurt. So what happens is you start processing people, oh, oh there's Kim, and, and if I give time to Kim, Kim might bring some of Kim's challenges into my world, but I've been hurt by other people's issues in my world, so actually, I don't want to enter into a relation with Kim. Why? Because I don't want her pain in my story, so we make the story smaller, and Kim's out the circle. What about pride? Well, if I share that, and I expose my heart, I'm exposed. I'm exposed. 
Let me tell you about Jesus. Who got on a cross, naked, whipped and beaten, unrecognizable, in front of the ones he created. He didn't care about his pride. He cared about the passion of the Father. God is working with us. Luke 15 is, we love Luke 15 about the prodigal son. What's Luke 15 about? The prodigal son and the father. The prodigal son and the father. And it is. But you know what Luke 15 is about? It's about the shadow of my heart as well called the older brother. That outside of the presence of God and outside of submission to the passions of God, the older brother starts to come out and say, no. I like my prejudices. I like my preferences. I like keeping my heart safe from pain. Can I invite some mates to stand? Maybe Warren, will you stand, buddy? And we've got, got some, some guys. At, I'm trying, Scott, my mate at the back. You're in the corner. Why don't you stand with me, please? Um, um, Gareth, will you stand? Kurt, will you stand? Uh, where are we on going? Moses, will you stand at the back there? And Caleb, will you stand? Why am I just choosing guys? I see prejudice right there. It's, it's, a, it's a prejudice, and I apologize. Sammy, up you stand. There we go. Actually, Louise, why don't you stand as well? Let's, let's, Petunia, won't you stand? The gospel's got to get more than a Sunday habit. I've had prejudices. So imagine God says, I want you to impact these people, boy. But I'm going, yeah, yeah, cool, cool. I love God. I want you to impact these people. But there's just some things I got, God. Oh, yeah, what are those? Well, I got this prejudice. What's your prejudice? Well, I mean, just Warren is incredibly good looking, Lord. And, and I have a prejudice against his good looks. Because he, I just don't want to go in a crowd where Warren is because I'm going to look like that guy who's next to Warren. It's a prejudice. So I can't actually impact Warren. Why don't you sit down, buddy? Thank you. I started on a light note. Let me take my friend Moses. Different background, different story, different brokennesses, different color. We see the world differently in many ways. But maybe God's called me to impact that man's life. But if prejudice is still a passion in my heart, I've got to say, Moses, won't you sit down? Please. And I go, the circle gets smaller. Won't you sit down? And then, and then what about preference? Preference, preference impacts the story. So God says, I, I want you, the, my daughter's lost. Her name's Louise. She's lost and she's broken. And she needs me. And I need you to reach out. And I say, okay, God, that's cool. But I've got this prejudice. I don't really like giving my time to people who've been drug addicts. Drug addicts. I just, it's a preference. I'm not saying, it's like, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with you. Just saying it's a preference. So actually the circle gets smaller. Won't you sit down, please? And maybe there are other preferences in your story that start creeping in. And maybe my friend Scott there, who's American and, and, and loves America, and it's great. I'm going, but actually I just have a preference. I don't actually really like Americans. So it's a smallness that's subtle, and actually we laugh because everyone goes, yeah, maybe. (laughs) Scott, I'm joking. But won't you sit down? 
And, and maybe there are other things that come. There's this principle, like I said, actually, actually, the gospel, and I hide behind my principles most of the time. I don't have to actually believe them, but maybe the principle is actually, I got told as a young teenager, actually stay away from girls, don't become mates with girls. I'm just telling you, in quite a strong pastoral house, whatever. And so actually, Petunia and I, we, we actually, because of principle, we can't be mates. Because I can't really be friends with a girl. What rubbish, by the way, but let's just, sorry. So because of my principle, actually the circle gets smaller. Why don't you sit down? And actually, maybe there's some more. Maybe, maybe I, I've been hurt. See, my friend over here is a, is a gifted athlete. He's a, he's, a, he's a professional athlete. But maybe I've given my time to guys like this before. And maybe just, it didn't go anywhere and actually it lent to pain in my story. So Caleb comes in my story and in this example is if Caleb was not in the church, please hear that. But I'm going, Caleb, actually I don't really want to enter your world and I don't really want you to enter my world because pain might be the result. And, and you'll never know that, but I do. So all that happens is, circle gets smaller when you sit down please and and others maybe sammy or uh, you know I've, I've i've walked with girls and this is not sammy but let me just take you to another i'm using sammy as an example but like sammy's got issues so sammy's sammy's got issues and i've walked with people with issues before it cost me emotionally it cost me time it cost me money it cost time away from my family, and I just, I just won't do it again. So the circle gets smaller. Won't you sit, please, Sammy? What about pride? And, and these two guys, I, I, I like them. I respect both of them. Kurt and Gareth. They, they're doing well in life. They are, they, they're ahead of me in many areas, and I'm going, maybe I don't want to reach them because what if they reject me? What if they reject me? What if Kurt or Garrett says, actually, I don't want your nonsense. And then Kurt goes back to his HR mates in the corporate world and he tells them, this chop, and, and then they think less of me. And so out of pride, actually, you guys have to sit as well. And all of a sudden, a circle that was potentially wide becomes this. And then Jesus comes in. He says, actually, I, I'm perfect. And I know I'm perfect. I've never sinned. I've been in the perfection of heaven. I could have prejudice against every single person on this earth. Why? Because I made them. And I know everything that's wrong with them. And he chooses to hang out with them. And then he says, actually, preference. I've been hanging out with Father and Holy Ghost. And they are cool. And together we've done some pretty awesome stuff. He says, but actually, I'm going to leave their presence and I'm going to go to earth. It says, actually, some of these things, they, they, they're gonna, I'm going to pull you into the story, and there's pain in the story. So what, what it says, no, but I know. I'm going to go to a cross. And the very guys I'm going to spend my life with for three years, I'm going to walk with them, I'm going to sleep in caves with them, I'm going to fish with them. They're going to deny me. I know that. But I'm still going to walk with them. And he makes the circle bigger. He says, I've got principles. I've hung out in perfection. I've never sworn in my life, but I choose to hang out with tax collectors and notorious sinners. Pride? I'm going to hang on a cross naked. And the circle just goes like this. It's not the circle of fun. We're not talking about a circle on a dance floor. We're talking about the love of the Father 
the passion of the Father for the wayward son and the passion of the Father for the religious, righteous son who stays outside. The Father says, I want them both near. And I want you to be a part of it. And Luke 15 is not for some out there story. Luke 15 is for, 15 is for your heart and my heart. It's for your heart and my heart. Luke 15 challenges the smallnesses of prejudice and preference. It's too much justified prejudice, guys. We live in South Africa. It's just too much justified prejudice. I don't care what your viewpoint or what your background, you have been adopted if you have received Jesus into a family that gets healing, the blood of Jesus. And if that doesn't take place, the mission and the passion of God doesn't get released beyond. You've got to deal with your prejudices. You've got to wrestle your preferences to the ground. You've got to settle your pains in the blood of Jesus and allow the perfect blood of Jesus to get deep, deep, deep inside there, bring healing and wholeness so that you can enter into a story where the glory of the Father is revealed to prodigal sons and those outside who can come close. Why? Because God is passionate about lost sons and daughters. He's not passionate about sheepies and financial stories. Yes, do we pray for that and will God bless? Yes. He's not passionate about lost shekels and coins. Yes. Will we pray and will God bless? Yes. What is he passionate about? He is passionate about broken, lost sons and daughters coming home. And if that doesn't move us and get every vein inside of our body popping, something's wrong. And I would suggest, as I know I've had to go on this journey, I continue on this journey, God wants to deal with our prejudices, our preferences, our pains, our pride. Can we close our eyes, please?